0: Hello and welcome to the March edition of In Conversation With, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Philippa Harris, the Deputy Editor, and today I'm talking to Nabila El-Basal from Columbia University in the US. We'll be talking about a review on intimate partner violence and HIV. Alongside this review, the March 2022 issue also contains studies on breast cancer survival, hospital outcomes in people with HIV, and a viewpoint on the need to include pregnant and breastfeeding women in PrEP trials, among lots of other content. And now to speak to Nabila. Hi, and thanks so much for talking to me today. So your review looks at intimate partner violence and HIV in various key populations of women. So I wondered if you could start by outlining who these groups are and and why you chose to focus on them.
1: Sure. Uh, We have focused on our our review on four key populations of women. Women who use drugs, female sex workers, transgender women, an adolescent girl and young women between the ages of 15 and 24 years old. In fact, there are three really main reasons that led us to focus on these four key populations of women. First, uh, these four key populations of women bear a disproportionate burden, both of HIV disease and intimate partner violence. Second, my work and other uh, investigators show that women who experience intimate partner violence are at greater risk of HIV acquisition. And also the research showed that intimate partner violence create significant barriers to HIV prevention, HIV testing, HIV treatment, as well as HIV care for these key populations of women. And the third reason is that despite the abundance of evidence on the links between IPV and HIV, HIV behavioral intervention and prevention models for these four key populations of women remain limited and also many fail to consider the unique factors uh, that increase uh, this woman's risk of IPV and HIV. I also wanna say that uh, women in these four key population have often been overlooked by scientists who conduct HIV intervention and prevention research as well as policy research on IPV and HIV. So we're really, I wanna end by saying our review is a call to action for increasing attention in research to the link between HIV and IPV.
0: So you talk about this interplay between the violence and HIV in these women. I wondered if you could expand on that and and what the impact of of each other
1: are. Sure. There are a number of biological and behavioural mechanisms uh, that link IPV and HIV. And research showed that, for example, sexual abuse, such as forced sex without use of condoms, with a seropositive uh, partner may cause genital injuries that might directly increase a woman's risk for HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases. The other piece is we know from the literature literature that IPV was found to be associated with inconsistent condom use. For example, women uh, who report severe sexual abuse are less likely to use uh, condoms due to fear that if they attempt to uh, use condom or negotiating condom use, uh, they will incite more uh, IPV. And from our research and other studies, we learned that when women who use drug uh, attempt to discontinue drug use or enter drug treatment and recovery support programs, or even try to access HIV treatment and care, the intimate partner could retaliate with sexual or physical uh, abuse, or try even to limit the woman's access to treatment services or informal support. Another piece I'd like to highlight, for example, for women who use drugs and for sex workers, in fact, is structural factors such as a drug criminalization and lack of availability of gender-sensitive harm reduction services shape this woman's experiences and increase risk of violence and further elev- elev- increase the risk of acquiring HIV. And the final point I want to make, that a social norms that tolerate intimate partner violence such as gender inequality, structural racism and sexism, and income inequality increase risk for both IPV and HIV and also reduce women access to HIV care and services.
0: So in your review, you highlight that some aspects of intimate partner violence for women living with HIV might not be recognised by standard definitions of IPV used in the field. So one of the examples you give is that, that of a partner preventing access to HIV care. So what impact does the fact that we can't measure this have?
1: Yeah, this is really a great question. In our paper, we underscored how the standard definitions and measurement of intimate partner violence that guided edit all types of research and policy may not fully represent the unique IPV experiences of key populations of women. Let me give you a few examples. An important context that we often hear about in our research from women who use drugs, that the intimate partner violence, uh, their intimate partner forces uh, her to in- exchange sex for money or drugs in order to obtain uh, drugs for him. Also, a partner may force uh, the woman to use or inject drugs and share needles or uh, syringes. In addition, we learn from our research that a sex partner may prevent the woman from accessing HIV care, methadone treatment, or other clinical services. Each of these contacts, unfortunately, that has really not much integrated into the assessment and measurement of uh, partner violence. Another contact that I really would, would like to highlight uh, that hasn't been sufficiently addressed in the measurement of partner abuse. For example, the partner makes his female partner financially dependent on them by maintaining Total control over all finance resources or even withholding access to money or forbidding the women attending school or employment or uh, confiscating earnings. And all these issues really are contacts that lead to sexual violence, also which increase HIV and again, these issues have not been well integrated into the measurement of uh, IPV. Another situation, often women who use drugs told us they depend on their partner to supply drugs, housing and economic needs and this situation leads them to uh, use not to use condoms. Again, these contacts need to be really well integrated into uh, the measurement of uh, IPV.
0: So what do we know about successful interventions to reduce or prevent intimate partner violence in these groups of women?
1: That's another good question. We know that preventing intimate partner violence is crucial to curbing the HIV epidemic. In our review, we identified 25 promising interventions that address both intimate partner violence and prevention of HIV acquisition among the four key populations of women. Of the 25 interventions that we included in our review, more than half reported statistically significant reductions in both intimate partner violence and HIV risk behaviors. And what we have learned uh, through this review, the promising uh, core components of the intervention to address both IV and HIV includes, for example, skills building related to condom use, condom negotiation, A risk reduction for drug use, also screening for partner abuse and and, uh, risk identification of um, partner abuse, safety planning, access to social support and referral to services and linkage to care to deal with both partner violence and HIV. And also, motivation interviewing skills have been found to be uh, you know, promising core components to address both the co occurring issues of IPV and HIV. However, in our review, we, in, we learned that no studies have examined the intervention at the interpersonal level. For example, couple based behavioral HIV interventions that include knowledge and skills in building about HIV and other STIs or condom use. Or couple negotiation where you bring the two um, people together to talk about these issues uh, are missing from the literature there are models that can be used and tailored to women who desire to bring their partners to such an intervention to address the co-occurring of HTV and, and ipv uh, also there are few interventions that we found target the social conditions uh, of the women the economic Or empowerment and policy issues that result from criminalization, other structural factors such as stigma and poverty. Really, to achieve population-level impact, we need to develop multi-level and combination approaches that simultaneously target uh, a risk environment uh, such as stigma and discrimination, poverty, policing, and all these issues increase uh, women to HIV and IPV. Another piece I'd like to highlight that interventions adapted and evaluated specifically for these key populations remain limited, particularly among uh, transgender women. And a key limitation is that most uh, combination of IPV and HIV intervention have not uh, scaled up. Even the ones that are really evidence-based uh, practices that can be delivered to the real world, they're not have not been delivered uh, to the real world. So why we need to do a lot in terms of dissemination translations uh, of evidence-based practices uh, that can get into the population.
0: So final question. As you outlined, there's there's a lot we don't know and, and more we should be doing. But what for you are the really key areas where you'd like to see more research or resourcing? Uh,
1: we, we need uh, more research about the development of uh, intimate partner measures to capture the unique uh, experiences of women and to take into consideration their life context. And fortunately, many countries also do not have a public health surveillance system on IPV among key populations of women. So from a measurement of view, we need to invest the science in developing uh, really the measures and and create public health surveillance systems if we are serious about addressing uh, intimate partner violence and addressing HIV uh, so that's an area that we need to focus on. The second area we need IPV and HIV intervention research that focuses on the macro social structural factors, and also to to use community based approaches involving the community in designing us. We also need intervention that examine the role of stigma, discrimination, and criminalization of sex work, uh, and these interventions are needed really if we are serious to addressing uh, the, uh, the the two epidemics, the overlapping epidemic. Another area uh, that uh, we need to really be serious about is more uh, interventional HIV and IPV for gender, uh, transgender populations. A huge gap in the field of HIV and IPV uh, in relation to this population. There is also urgent need to develop intervention that explicitly tailored to the context of uh, women uh, transgender women populations, and we, we, we don't have them enough. And our paper underscores the urgent need uh, to focus on this population. Another area that uh, we highlighted in our paper, and I have been writing a lot about it, there is really a critical need for implementation and dissemination research. Uh, to identify the multi-level organizations, community and or structural factor that may impede or facilitate the delivery of the evidence-based interventions that we already have in place. You know, this kind of research is really about uh, making sure that the models we have so far that are limited, but they, we have some other get into the population. Uh, so dissemination, translation, implementation science, is so critical at, at this point. Another piece I want to really talk about is cost-effectiveness, and our paper highlighted, although there is a limited uh, available, available evidence, suggests that combination of IPV and HAV have at, attractive cost-effectiveness ratio, Ratios, more effort must really be devoted uh, to integrating high-quality economic evaluations into intervention trial and simulation modeling study to inform policy making. Really, this is an area that um, it's so important to, to address. Uh, and if we are serious about addressing both the co occurring issues of IPV and HIV. And, and the f- last point I want to make in terms of region, and our paper highlighted in most interventions which are limited, but we're implementing and evaluated in some countries like Sub-Saharan Africa, and North America, if you, uh, with a few uh, done in Central and South Asia, but leaving out uh, four continents, which regions like uh, South America and Central America. So our uh, paper really underscores more research in all these regions, but uh, specifically we're saying that we haven't seen much research on IPV and HIV in South America and Central America.
0: So thank you so much for talking to us today. You know, it's such an important topic and it's great to hear your thoughts. So thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you to Nabila. And if you're interested in this topic, then The Lancet recently published an article on the global, regional and national prevalence estimates of intimate partner violence against women in 2018. So thank you for listening. And we'll be back next month to continue the conversation.